Week two. Remember last week we began this journey here over the course of Advent to build our conviction by knowing the story, his story, our story. Remember from last week, we said we're going to be looking at the beginning of Genesis, the first three chapters of Genesis. And we said, if you get the first three chapters of Genesis right, you get the whole Bible right. If you get the first three chapters of Genesis wrong, you get the whole Bible wrong. And it's critical that we get it right. Because these chapters are communicating truths, truths of the human person, truths about God, and as we'll see today, truths about the enemy, of who the enemy is, what he did, not just what he did, but what he always does. And these truths, of course, are getting lost more and more in our culture and society today, the story not passing on, which leads to more and more of the despair, the confusion and fear. And as last week, as we looked at the first part, created, chapters, Genesis chapters one and two, the question of why is there something rather than nothing? Revelation gives us the answer, and it's that a good father, a good God, freely chose to create out of love. Out of everything he created, the pinnacle, the highlight, the climax of his creation was us, you and me, the human person that he made to be in friendship with him, to be in communion, because he's made us to be in his image and likeness. So he's made us out of love. To be loved, as we looked at last week, and to love. The core of every single human heart is to be loved and to love. Those of us here today, those that are not here, to be loved and to love. And the one who made the big dog star, of which you can fit seven quadrillion planet Earth inside of, is infinitely concerned about you and me. He's chosen us. He loves us. He created. Sounds great. Then why the heck is everything so messed up? We're going to look at that today in Genesis chapter three. And to be honest, it's not the most pleasant homily to give. It it was after last night's mass. We were in the in the, in the rectory for a little bit in the house. And it was Frank that just noticed that I was a little off. And he said, are you doing all right, Father Mark? You, you, seem, you seem a little down, you seem off. And when he asked that, like, I wasn't doing well. But it was, as I realized, it was because of the homily last night. It's because of, of what we're talking about here, because it's bad. What we're gonna look at today, being, being held in captivity, last week was created, today is, is being captured. It's not pleasant because we feel the effects of what happens. Every one of us in this church today, we know it and we know it well, and it's not pleasant. So we're going to see who the enemy is and what he does and not just what he did again, but what he always does. And as we looked at last week, the Bible is not so much one book, but 73 different books. And like a library has different genres in a library, so is the case with the Bible. And so when we start hearing again, this talking snake instead of just chucking it out the window and say, that's a cute thing for me to, to learn about when I was in kindergarten, but now forget it. Remember, it's, it's poetic language, communicating truths. And here we'll see truths of who the evil one is and what he does. And so we begin here right away with the first verse. Genesis 3.1 says this, 
Now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. The reason to start here is because the Bible is communicating right away, the importance of communicating to us right away that the serpent, the one who brings about the fall of humanity was created. Like sometimes we think, we think that there's like this, you know, these competing forces out there, that there's a good God and an evil God, a good force and an evil force, and they're kind of battling against each other. The Bible right, right away wants to say, no, God has no rivals. The creator does not battle against any creature. There's no competition there. This serpent that comes on the scene in Genesis chapter 3 has no power over the creator. And so to further identify this serpent, a lot of times in stories or movies, you got to maybe the, the villain comes onto the scene early on. You don't really know why he's there, who he is until later on. Same in this case with this. If we look at the very last chapter or the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we see why it is that this serpent comes on the scene. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, we see and we hear this. It describes the scene before Genesis. In Revelation 12, 9, we, it says this. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was thrown down. And his angels were thrown down along with him. So the one who shows up in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, once dwelt in heaven. He was good, a good angel, because God creates everything God creates is good. And of course, this good angel was made to love, and he was made out of love, because everything God creates was made because of love and made to love, to be in communion. But a rebellion happened. And we don't have time to get into that right now. It's on your handout of that scripture verse and the reason why, but we'll just say this. His reason for rebellion was envious of us and our end. And so therefore was thrown down, we read, from heaven to wage war on the human race. To not wage war on God. He knows he can't compete against God. He wages war against us. He hates you and me. And he will stop along with all of his dominions, will stop at nothing for your death and destruction and for your misery. And he goes about it, we learn here. He goes about it by he hearing his names because his names reveal his character, reveals what he does. And we hear in, in Revelation 12, 9, He's the devil, which the Greek word there is diabolos, which where we get the word divide. He wants to divide. He does divide. He wants to split and divide families, marriages, communities, nations. The other name we hear is Satan. Satan means accuser. He accuses God which we're gonna hear in a little bit. And he also accuses you and me. He's the voice that oftentimes we hear maybe whisper in our ear that goes something like this. 
I can't believe you did that. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. He'll never forgive you. So hide from God and run. And he also accuses God. And this is really important for us to pay attention to because the author here early on, the Bible is telling us what happened, yes, but also what always happens and how Satan operates. And so let's listen, continuing in verse one through verse five, he said to the woman, the serpent said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die, which by the way, God never said you can't touch it. So you can see how things are already going south. You shall not touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Notice what's happening. Notice the lie. God, or the, the serpent here, the evil one is accusing, it's casting suspicion upon God. Hey, you know how God said you're not to eat of, of this tree? Like he knows that if you eat of it, you'll just become like him. And God doesn't, God doesn't want you to be like him. God doesn't love you. He doesn't want what's best for you. That's why he's telling you, don't not eat of this tree. If you eat of it, you'll be happy. So therefore God, he's, he's really restricting you. So if you eat of it, you'll be like him. It's a terrible lie because that's, that's the reason why God made us was to be divinized, to be like God. It's the whole reason he made us. And yet the evil one cast God on, cast God's suspicion that he's not good and that he's a liar. And as terrible of a lie that is, Satan is capable of convincing God or convincing them that God is the enemy. And he's capable of convincing us of the same that we think that at times. We can think that God doesn't love. We can think that he doesn't care. Some of us even in here right now being like, good God, yeah, right. If so, why did my dad walk out on us? If God is good, then why did he let that happen? Or if God is good, why is he letting this happen right now of whatever it might be? The evil one just tries to catch our ear and say, isn't it obvious that he's not good? <laughs> isn't it obvious that he's not a good father? He's restricting you. He doesn't want what's best for you. So rebel against him, rebel. So again, Genesis re re revealing here that this is Satan's plan. This is his game plan. This is how he works. And so what happens? They take of the tree and they eat of it. They rebel. And as the promise of the serpent, the promise of the serpent was that when they eat of it, their eyes will be opened, right? And they'll be made like God. Well, what happened? In verse seven, as we continue on, verse seven says, their eyes were open. 
their eyes were, were, were opened, but did they, did they become like God? Nope. What happened? They hid. They hid first from each other. They heard, hid from each other first when they were, they were created. Remember last week we said God made man and said, well, it's not good. I need to make a helper fit for him because to be human, he needs help to be human because he's made for love and communion. And now they hide from each other. They get this sense that the other person's looking at them differently, being objectified. Uh, I'm noticing that she's looking at me in a way that she's never looked at me before. I don't like it. I'm noticing that he's looking at me in a way that he never has before. And so they hide from each other and cover themselves in fig trees in fig leaves. And you see just the consequences of fall here beginning to happen one after another broken relationships. Across the board, broken relationships, everything falls apart because of this one act. Relationship between man and the woman at w it w is broken now. At one time, they shared in a perfect gaze with one another out of love, and now they hide from each other. That's shattered. The relationship between God and man is broken. They used to walk in the garden as a poetic, poetic language, again, used in Genesis. So they used to walk with God in the cool of the day in the garden meaning in perfect communion and hardship. And now, what do we read in verse eight? We see that the man and woman, it says, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid from God. Listen to that. Who was made in God's image and likeness out of complete love and perfect relationship with him. They're now hiding from God, which is what we do. And a lot of us hide from God because... Like we have this thought, like I'm just terrified at the thought that, that, that God's disgusted with me. How horribly disappointed he must be in how I'm living or lived. The relationship between man and himself is broken or woman and herself is broken. This is the interior struggle in which we all experience in our lives of which was not the case prior and this maybe lastly here to look lastly the close here with the, the, the consequences of sin. I just want to look at Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter three, verse nine. What Paul's doing here, he's getting he's giving like the state of humanity because of the fall. He says this in Romans three nine. I have already charged that all men, both Jews and Greeks, so that is to say everyone, are under the power of sin. We as a race now are in captivity under the power and dominion of sin. This power that we have no control over, that we can't compete against. Proof of this? Anyone here ever done anything that you didn't want to do? You know it's wrong. You hate doing it and yet you do it anyways. I know it's wrong, I don't wanna do it, and I do it anyways. Have you ever wondered why? This is why. The fall is why. 
because we are now under the power and dominion of sin and death. That's really troubling. If that's not troubling enough, here's, it gets worse. There's nothing you and I can do to get out from under that power. Nothing we can do. The chasm, the rift between now God and man is infinitely great of which we can't bridge. We are utterly hopeless and utterly stuck. And we are held in captivity. And often as it is the case with somebody who's held captive, they need someone from the outside to come and rescue them, which is what we're gonna look at next week. Maybe just to give us a foretaste, because I don't wanna leave us here. Because Genesis chapter three also gives us a foretaste. When Adam and Eve hid, when they hid from God, we hear in verse nine, God says, where are you? And that where are you is not a, where are you? So that I might find you and punish you. What have you done? The where, the where are you is more like, where are you? Like, what have you done? You'll never fathom of what you've brought and the consequences here. Where are you so that I might find you, that I might bring you back, that I might rescue you, that I might bring you out of captivity now. And so maybe our prayer this week is this, how is the enemy right now holding me captive right now? Where, where, does he tend, where, do, where does he tend to accuse me, whisper lies into my heart? What are the strings in my heart that he knows to pull and whisper and to accuse? Where in my life does, he has a, does, does, the eat, does, does Satan, the devil, the serpent have a grip on my life? And here's a hint. If we have not been to confession for some time, if we have mortal sin on our soul, we are held captive. If we, are in, if we are in mortal sin, we are under the dominion and the power of sin. We have got to get out from under it. That's why this Advent, we're having all, all the more confession times and reconciliation opportunities. Where do I long to be set free, to be found? And here's the thing, he always finds, he always rescues.